Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Daniel Gallen. Okay, guys, it's time again for the Blue White Breakdown podcast. I'm Bob Flounders, joined at State College by Daniel Gallen. Let's talk about some Penn State stuff. We'll talk about the new strength coach, Penn Staters left in the NFL, uh, our thoughts on the January enrollees. And then uh, I think we should get into a little bit about some recent updated mock drafts because Penn Staters are playing a role in both of them, one by Dane Brugler of The Athletic. And then the other one from the OG, Mel Kuyper, has, I think, his initial uh, Mel is type is terrible at mock drafts. Um, I respect the work ethic, but uh, when it comes to mock drafts, I just don't think he's that great. So we'll <laughs> see. We will see because he has a surprise Penn Stater in his mock first round draft. So hopefully he got this one right. But Daniel, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Bob. You know, me, me and Mel Kuyper are both uh, Baltimore area Catholic school graduates. So I got yeah. a you know, even though even though he went to Calvert Hall, I still gotta still gotta put up some some defense for my uh, my yeah. local our, our local ties right there. You know, I I can remember when I was actually in college. I think even in high school, maybe that's how old I am. He was the original guy, and I really respect him because I don't think there's any question he he puts the work in. I mean, and it's not easy for him. He's kind of, he kind of got his start. He didn't really have much of an NFL background, but man. He stuck to it. And, you know, now he's I think everyone appreciates Mel Kuyper. I know that I do. Uh, there's in per- Frank Caliendo impersonates him. But uh, I, I just don't know when it comes to the first round. He might be better in the middle rounds, but I'm not sure about some of his first round picks. Also, you guys both have something in common. You both have great hair. Uh, <laughs> in your own ways, I think you both have great hair. So um, we can start the conversation there with things that you have in common, along with football knowledge. And Penn State knowledge, but also great hair. So that's at least three things. Let's talk about Penn State's new strength coach, the guy with the uh, incredible. Is that a handlebar mustache? I don't know what you call a Snidely Whiplash mustache. Uh, Chuck Losey is replacing Dwight Galt. He's been at Penn State ever since James Franklin's been at Penn State. I think he came along with Dwight Galt. I think he also worked with Dwight when they were at Vanderbilt together. And I think he was also uh, a very good player at Vanderbilt. About 20 years ago, he played defensive end. I think we talked about it last week. Just when you make a change like this, how significant is it? Do we think it's going to, he's going to be, he, he's, he has a lot of Dwight's core beliefs. Do you think we're going to see some things different? What do we know about Losey? Yeah, I think that the big thing that you look at is the, the continuity that this keeps. Um, obviously, the strength coach is a very important position within the program, and that goes beyond. Right just kind of the the general like strength and conditioning, the off-season workouts and stuff. The way that college football is set up, the strength coach has the most access uh, to the players during the off-season, um, mm-hmm. a lot more than, than the coaches can do right now. So the strength coach is kind of in charge of setting that tone, uh, in charge of really instituting, I guess, the vision 
um, in a couple of different ways uh, at, at this point uh, in, in the college football calendar. So I think that given what Dwight Galt had kind of built at Penn State um, and with James Franklin dating back to Vanderbilt, I think mm-hmm. this move makes a lot of sense in kind of keeping what they've been doing going. Obviously, Chuck Losey is someone who's going to put his own stamp on this. He's someone that, I mean, he and, he's worked with Galt uh, and James Franklin since 2011. So he's been here the whole time and he probably has his own ideas on to, on how things can go. Um, and now he'll get the chance to kind of put put his stamp on the program. So I think that it's a move that that makes a lot of sense. You know, I would have been a lot more surprised if they'd gone outside of the the program right. uh, to make that replacement. So I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think that you just kind of <clears> want to <throat> keep doing what you've been doing, figure out how to maybe improve on some of those, those offensive linemen, that kind of development. Yeah. makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I was, I'm glad you just said that at the end, because I think the Penn state fan base is probably like, well, it's great to have continuity, but when you're getting pushed around at the line of scrimmage on the offensive line, maybe they need to try some different things. And I'm, I'm hopeful uh, that maybe they will tweak some things. Cause I, I just thought consistency wise, um, you just can't put it all on the running backs underperforming. I just think that there were just were, weren't that many holes. Um, James has said that, you know, a really good running back's got to be able to make one guy miss in the hole to make a, a, a four yard gain, a 25 yard gain or whatever. And that, that might be true, but when it's third and one or third and two, you have to feel a little bit better about giving the ball to a running back and converting you know, converting that situation rather than punting. And I just think that over time, Penn State fans and even us in the media, when it's third and short, it's just a, it's too dicey of a proposition when it should be more of a slam dunk. Yeah, exactly. And with anything offensive line play, I'm always very, very deferential uh, to the people yeah. that know a lot more than me. Sure, I, I have no idea kind of what needs to change, what needs to look different, but I think that even just from a personnel perspective, we know that that unit is going to look a lot different um, next season. And so this is kind of the time where will Olu Fashanu, as he goes into this offseason, how will he look different coming out? Yeah. And a lot of those other kind of redshirt freshmen, redshirt sophomores, uh, that kind of age group. Daniel, is there anything else you've been able to glean since the announcement that Losi was going to be the guy? Have you learned anything else about him or is it really just too soon? Because, I mean, I don't think we've ever, there's never been like a Chuck Losi uh, media availability. So we just don't even know. We can't really describe his personality. Dwight Galt was kind of like a, I don't know if it was a, a father figure, but he was at the point in his life where he was almost like a grandfather figure. I think uh, at that program, he would always uh, have like a zoom call or in person before the pandemic, he would meet with the media up there. We'd get to see them go through one of their last strength and conditioning workouts of the winter and then he would be available and it was always interesting because he always knew we wanted to know who are the fresh faces who did well who's you know and he would give us all kinds of information a lot of it turned out to be really really prophetic but I just wonder if if maybe uh that's going to continue at Penn State yeah I think so I mean I think that that's kind of part of the the continuity and I think that James Franklin knows that having kind of the, having everyone's measurements up on, up on the board, which I believe was started by Bill O'Brien um, mm-hmm. and kind of having this, this opening this up a little bit is a, is a good recruiting tool, especially when you see a pro day, uh, the combine, um, you know, you see the numbers that those guys put up and this is kind of a, a little window um, into that, that I feel like you don't often get. 
Um, so I think that it's something that is a, it's a great recruiting tool and it's a little bit of uh, transparency in a, in a game in an industry where you don't often get that. Okay, Daniel, let's move it along. Let's talk about the new faces in town, the new faces on the Penn state roster. It has been updated. I don't know how accurate the heights and weights are, but, uh, I think the nine January enrollees and, uh, Mitchell Tinsley, the wideout from Western Kentucky who transferred into the program. They're on the roster. So as far as I know, they're able to take, to take part in the winter conditioning and hopefully the spring drills. Let's play a little game. Uh, I'll let you go first. Give me one or two guys that you are really uh, not. We're not talking about the fans, just you. Um, you're really kind of anxious to see how they do, whether it's based upon immediate impact or, you know, just a, a supremely talented player um, everyone loves the quarterbacks, but if you had to pick one or two guys to watch of the new additions, who would they be? I'm going to go a little bit off the beaten path on this one. Uh, I Don't know you that take my guy. Do not take my guys. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Omari Evans, uh, the Ooh. wide receiver from from Texas. Uh, he's a, a three, this one down three three star recruit. He was he committed, I think, in October. I think it might have been before the Indiana game. He was someone that came up to Penn state, worked out, uh, ran in the four threes, um, which is something that you can't really teach. Can't teach that kind of speed. It's something where he's just an intriguing prospect. He was a high school quarterback in a run heavy offense. If you look at his highlight tape, it's a lot of him taking a snap, faking a handoff, um, making a couple guys miss and going. Um, so I'm really interested to see how that kind of translates, uh, to Penn state and what kind of development needs to happen there. Um, obviously Penn state this year didn't necessarily have that kind of pure, uh, vertical threat on the outside. The guy that you can just put out there for 10, 15 plays a game, he runs straight, takes a safety and a corner with him and clears things out a little bit underneath. Um, so I'm interested to see how he kind of transitions to the game, what he needs to do physically and whether or not that speed can be refined enough to, to get him onto the field. Okay. I like that pick a lot, man. Omari Evans. All right. I'm going to give two names. One of them I'm cheating because I just think that this is an important. I think the Tinsley kid is a, is a huge addition uh, for Penn State. And I think, you know, as he gets more comfortable in the offense, and that's why I'm glad he's going to be in, in here. I'm assuming he's going to be able to work out uh, in spring. Hopefully he is. I don't know how that works when you transfer in, but even if, even if he doesn't get here to August, but he's already on the roster. So I'm assuming he's good for spring. I just think he's a guy that I think can really help Penn state. And much like Jahan Dotson, he's a guy that, you know, during throughout his career, he was, I think a Juco. And then he had two years at Western Kentucky, but every year he got better. And the, the jumps were usually pretty significant. And that's one of the things that really, really impressed me about Jahan Dotson is he never, you know, he never plateaued as he led the Big Ten in receiving yards in 2020. And then I, I think he didn't, he had 884 in nine games. And he had some really big games against good defenses. But he was, he, you know, he, he still got better. He still found a way to improve his game. Um, I'm hoping this guy is the same way. And I do think, as much as it's great to have Parker Washington, either the one or the two role again this year, Keandre Lambert Smith, obviously, I think has some talent. I just don't know how close the rest of those guys are to being, hey, I have your trust. I have uh, Sean Clifford's trust. For a guy who hasn't done much, and I'm guilty of it, Malik Mega, I mean, has gotten a lot of praise, right? And he could certainly run. He's certainly big enough. But I think you, and, I think you saw it in the Outback Bowl 
there were times when he was on the field where he didn't get lined up right. And they almost, I think they might've had to call a timeout once or twice just because they wanted to play fast. They couldn't, it looked like he was struggling. He wasn't on the right side of the field. It's definitely a big off season for him, but I think that this Tinsley guy can really, really fortify a position. I think Penn State could really feel a lot better about their wideouts if he can be anywhere near, anywhere near as good as he was at Western Kentucky. Not the same type of defense he'll be seeing in the Big Ten, but he did have a big game at Michigan against Michigan State. I think he also did some damage to Indiana. The other guy for me, obviously, is, is Singleton. I just You look at the running back room now, and it's Kevon Lee. You know, and I think a lot of people uh, feel good about him. I don't know what to make. I just don't know what to make of Devin Ford. I know Katron Allen is also a a tremendous talent. Penn State is going to play two or three backs in a game in the fall. They just are. Um, It takes them forever to decide on, on a guy, even if he looks like he's the best running back on the field. So I think there's a chance for one of these two running backs to be, if not, not both of them, in the running back rotation. And as much as I've, I've heard great things about Singleton boy, I, if, if he, if that translates uh, at Penn state, I think that can help the offensive line too. Definitely. I think those are are both good choices. And I think Tinsley is, is really important. Um, Me and I think me and Dustin talked about this last week where Penn state never had a number four wide receiver uh, in, in 2021. Um, By the end of the year, Malik Mega was being talked about like a number four, but we didn't actually right. see it on the field. Um, and I think that having Tinsley in, it gives you a, a solid top three. Um, and then Mega or Caden Saunders, um, another early enrollee, uh, right. who probably should, who probably has the, I think one of the best chances, uh, to play early along with Singleton, you know, Saunders and Mega can kind of compete for that number four spot. Um, and potentially even, even more time. So I think those are both pretty good choices. And, the understood uh, answer uh, to the premise of that question is obviously yeah. Drew Aller and Bro, Bo yeah. Prabula. So we'll see yeah. those guys when we see those guys. But I think that for most of the fan base, that's yeah. understood uh, an understood answer to that question. Is there any chance the next time we get James Franklin on a Zoom call? Now, I'm assuming it might it might just be I, I guess it'll be a signing day press conference. So February, maybe. A, but it's, you know, the haze in the barn there. I don't even sure if that's the right time to ask him, but at, at the first availability for spring practice, is there any chance the first question isn't about the quarterback room and how he's going to approach spring drills? <laughs> I feel like that has to be the first one based on how we saw 2021 go. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, I think he is aware of the fact that the fans are a little bit restless the way that they finished the season. Sean Clifford, uh, certainly a tough guy, but he did not play well in the Outback Bowl. Um, I know that he was missing Jahan Dotson, but man, people just want to know how they're going to approach it. Like, I don't know, necessarily know that the fans will agree with it, but I kind of knowing James a little bit, I think you and I know that if the question is, is it going to be an open competition? I think he's going to figure out a way to answer around that where there's always important to be the jobs are there's always job openings. There's always open competition, but I, I'm just more curious what he's going to do with Sean Clifford in the spring. So we'll see, but I just hope that those young guys are out there a lot um, and hopefully we'll be able to get up there a couple of times to watch it. This is the blue white breakdown. Welcome to cure Leaf a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a long-time patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, 
CureLeaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at CureLeaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Let's move it along to the NFL. It'll be a Penn State influence. So they're down to eight teams. Who are, in your mind, who, who is the best or maybe the most important Penn State player still alive in the playoffs with an eye towards maybe making a run either to the championship game or even the Super Bowl? I mean, there's, there's a lot of deserving candidates, uh, a lot of under-the-radar candidates. But, Daniel, I know you've done some stuff with Penn Staters in the NFL um, this season. Who, who's the one or two guys that you think – you said you watched a lot of football this past weekend – who are the guys you'll be watching this weekend? Uh, I think when you look at the guys that are left, um, the one that I feel like is maybe one of the the most important players to his team and has the chance given his role to make a lot of plays is Adrian Amos, uh, the safety safety from the Packers. Uh, I believe, like Mel Kuyper, he's also a, a Calvert Hall uh, college alum. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to... He is. I think his dad was a cop. I remember the bio, but he's definitely from Baltimore. Given that the the Packers are are going to play that San Francisco team that likes to run the ball a lot, likes to use someone like Debo Samuel in space a ton, yeah. um, and even put George Kittle uh, over the middle and, and further down the field, I think Adrian Amos is going to have a pretty long day, a pretty busy day, um, and we'll have the opportunity to make a lot of plays. And then on the other side of that matchup, um, it's the playoffs. All these games are. Well, <laughs> well, they're supposed to be close because uh, it's yeah. supposed to be the playoffs. But yeah. I think when you look at this stage of the season um, and given what the conditions might be like in Green Bay, I think you got to look at Robbie Gold, uh, 49ers kicker. Killed my uh, Cowboys. Just killed them. Killed them. <laughs> uh, the, it seems like the Packers and the Niners, almost every time they play, it, it comes down to, to something with a kicker at the end. So I think that uh, Gold and, and Amos are going to be two big guys to watch in that game. I just think that Adrian Amos is, you know, he's a guy, he wasn't even like that high of a pick by the Packers. I want to say he was a, maybe a fourth or fifth round pick. And he started with the bears. Yeah, that's um, right. With the bears. I'm sorry, but I think yeah. it was like a, a mid round selection. You're, that's, it says fifth rounder. Yeah. And you know, he, he was, a, I think he played, uh, it was at least a three year starter at Penn state could play corner or safety, just a solid player. Never really had to worry about him. And he played great with the Bears, and then he got some big money to play with the Packers. And he's a guy that I think is very deserving. I, I think he gets overlooked a lot when it comes to, you know, Pro Bowls and stuff like that. But I think he is, you know, right there with the top, you know, four, five, six safeties because of his versatility. I really like him. I'm glad you mentioned him. He was on my list. A couple guys that I'm looking at, and I'm all, I'm going to give Brian Baldinger a shot a shout out. Do you do you follow those Baldy breakdowns on Twitter? I see him when they get uh, retweeted okay. in uh, by yeah. US fans. He had, one, he had a good one on a he had a great one on a Penn State guy this morning. But the Tampa Bay offensive line's a little beat up. Uh, that Eagles game, I think Jensen the center and and Werfs the right tackle. I don't think the center finished the game. I think Werfs tried to come back in, but struggled. I'm not sure how healthy they are, and they're going to go against the Rams team. That's got uh, Von Miller, and they do like to move Aaron Donald around. So Donovan Smith, I think, is a guy that's really – his role is always important, protected Tom Brady's blind side. But I think even more magnified uh, this week, um, if, if there's no – if Werfs isn't 100%, I'm sure they're going to put Miller on that side. But 
he usually draws the, you know, the, the top edge guys. And I'm sure there's going to be some times maybe that Vaughn uh, is, is matched against him, but he's a guy that I, I would watch. And I also really think that um, I, I, I'm, I'm really, really uh, impressed by what Ryan Bates has been able to do in developing his career since leaving Penn state. Uh, I think he originally was, he, I don't know if he was drafted a free agent by the Eagles yeah, he was an undrafted free agent yep. uh, in in 2019. That was a yep. year where I think you had uh, you had Miles Sanders as a rookie. D, uh, you had um, Sharif Miller, DeAndre McGovern. Tompkins was was McGovern. in there. McGovern. Yeah, he wasn't with the Eagles though. The Eagles had like oh, five. No, yeah, right. Yeah, they had like the five Penn State guys in camp, and Bates was really really impressive. But yeah. the Eagles have just built they had just built up so much uh, offensive line depth that. They traded him for uh for Eli Harold, uh, who was like a, a mid twenties, late twenties, uh, defensive yep. end, and he didn't make the team out of camp. But uh, I think that Bates has made the most of his opportunity, which yeah. is is really neat to see, and especially given how the Eagles have kind of developed some of those other young guys that were in camp at the same time of him. It's a it's a it's a cool cool group. I think he I think he is starting now. I think with the Bills, yep. if he's not, he's playing a lot. And that Bills offense, that's a dangerous team to watch. I think moving forward, if they beat the Chiefs, I think it, it's going to be the game that I'm most excited to see this weekend. I think I think if they beat the Chiefs, they're going to go to the Super Bowl. Um, and he's played a big part of that. And uh, just a shout out to Baldinger because he did a nice little film breakdown on Kevin Givens, who played almost a starting role for the Niners. Uh, they moved him around inside and outside. And he was just he gave he gave Dallas's offensive line uh, a lot of problems in that game. Uh, Dak, I think they said Dak was sacked five times. They couldn't run the ball. I think he was hit 14 other times. And he was just killing guys inside. He was killing them. Connor Williams was, I think he might've lost his job based upon what Kevin Givens did to him. And if you're going to rattle Aaron Rodgers, um, if Bosa plays, you know, he should get, I think he'll get some time freed up in the middle to try and collapse that pocket. So I gave, I actually gave three Penn Staters, but Givens is another guy who's really come a long way and worked hard to get to this point. Nothing was really handed to him. Nothing was handed to, to Ryan Bates. So kudos to those guys. Um, and, and I'll be watching uh, all those guys and Adrian and unfortunately Robbie Gold this playoff season. So, Daniel, let's wrap it up, though, with mock drafts because they're starting to come fast and furious now. The NFL has, I think, established the top 24 picks and they're going to continue to kind of establish it once the winners and losers are known. But your guy, Mel Kuyper and Dane Brugler both came out with mock drafts. Did you see Mel Kuyper's mock draft? Yep. Yeah, you can go to penlive.com right now and, and read some analysis of, uh, of both of these drafts. <laughs> so I was I was reading it, and I I, I do love reading him. It, it was no surprise to me that he had Jahan John Dotson in it, but when I saw he had in the in the teens Arnold Ebiketti, uh going, and I think he had him going to the Eagles. Is that yeah. right? Number sixteen I, overall. I wouldn't wait too long in this draft to take Arnold Ebiketti if I was an NFL team because that guy was impressive for Penn state. I, I do think when you look at the whole, all of his tape, just the way he collapsed uh, from the outside, the way that he get, he beat guys inside his strength, his hand movement, it might be a little early <laughs> to take him there, but I mean, I think he is a, a, a legitimate, you know, top 30, top 35 player. And if a team falls in love with him, why not take it? Cause those guys always go fast. That that's, that one surprised me. I hope Mel gets this one, right. How about you? 
Yeah, I was surprised to see uh, Ebiketti that high. I mean, I kind of pegged him as as a day two guy going into yeah. the draft. Obviously, when you go through the the pre draft workouts, he can definitely. Most of these Penn State guys, we talked about it earlier. They they all test well, and that helps bump up the stock a little bit. Yeah. So I think that when you look at Ebiketti um, at that spot, I mean, the Eagles have a need at pass rusher. Um, Derek Barnett probably won't be back after five years. Their first round pick from 2017. And we saw that against the the Bucks, there's no pressure uh, on, no. on Tom Brady, except from the like the ghost of Ryan Kerrigan against one-legged Tristan Wirfs. I mean, that yeah. was the the only production they had. So, I mean, the the position makes sense, uh, projecting the Eagles to take a, an edge rusher there. Um, I was surprised to see Evic Eddie there, but we heard all this stuff in the spring before he even played about how, yeah, he's going to be great. He's going to be great. He backed it up on the field this year against some good competition. So, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if he goes high and is a good player. Um, but I think that, you know, when you open those mock drafts, you got the guys in your head that you think you're going to see, like, you know, you're going to see Dotson up there. We've seen Brisker um, in some, in some first round mocks. And then mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, like, this is something different, something interesting. It's not just his athleticism for somebody that big, but his versatility. I think he could play. He could play. He's a hybrid defender, right? He everyone thinks of Jesse Lucetta as a hybrid defender, and he was for Penn State. But Arnold, Arnold could play with his hand on the ground, or he could play. He showed he could play upright. I could see him. I could see him making the conversion to outside linebacker in a three-four. I really could, or I could see him in a four-three. I just, you know, he's. I don't know how much more weight you want to put on a guy like that because his get-off and his bend are so impressive. But I just think um, whoever gets him. And forget about forget about the what what round it is. I, I do think he's a legitimate uh, late first round talent, and I think he's going to play in the league if he stays healthy. Uh, I think we'll be talking about him uh, on Blue White Breakdown podcasts as an NFL player for years to come. I'm glad to see that. One more, Daniel uh, Dane Brugler's two round mock. Now this one surprised me a lot because uh, so it was it was Jahan was in the first round. I think he was late in the first round. He mm-hmm. had Ebiketti in the second. He had Brisker going to the Cowboys, and who makes a, a surprise appearance in the second round? But Rasheed Walker, that one surprised me too. I just as I'm a big fan of Rasheed, but I just didn't know unless they're that desperate for left tackles to take him that high. I think he's a guy that probably played himself into the third or fourth round this year, just because of the position he plays. But to see him go in the second round, I just don't know if that speaks to maybe it's not a great draft class for uh, left tackles or right tackles, but that one, that one threw me a little bit. Yeah. I think with, with the mock drafts, sometimes I I take the the kind of skimming approach where I, I open it and I go command F and I type in Penn state yeah, uh, and then then search for them. And so when I did that for, I read I think the first half of the first round of Bruglers, and then yeah. Command F, and I saw that there were four. Penn State showed up four times. So in my head, I'm like, okay, one of these will be Dotson, one of these yeah. will be Brisker. I think I'd, I'd already seen the Kuiper one, so I was like, okay, let's see where Evacetti is. And I was like, I don't know who the fourth one is. Like this is a bit <laughs> of a wild card. And I saw it, and I think from a Cincinnati Bengals perspective, that's who uh, Dane Brugler has him going to. Makes sense. Got to protect Joe Burrow. Um, everyone thought that they were going to take Panay Sewell um, or an offensive lineman this year. And then with Jamar Chase and worked out very nicely. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think with Walker, it's it's one. He's one of those guys where there's going to be a very interesting marriage between the eye test, the measurables, and the the potential that the NFL sees him at. I mean, 
last year, if he'd come out, he could have been a, a decently high pick. And so yeah. I think that that's probably something, you know, how much stock do our evaluators putting into this year? You know, he didn't play those last, those last couple of games. He was on crutches. We don't know when exactly that happens. Did it happen in the Michigan game? Did it happen before the Michigan game? Cause that isn't exactly his best tape. And so <laughs> I think that it'll be kind of, he's, he's going to be an interesting case um, yeah. because he's one of those guys where he plays a premium position. He has kind of the, the pedigree yeah. as a very high recruit. He has a lot of experience mm-hmm. um, and he's going to have the measurables. And so how do you square that with, with what he did on the field last year? Yeah, Daniel, I think in a lot of ways, he's very similar to Donovan Smith. Uh, Donovan Smith left school a year early, and I didn't think his last year at Penn State, I think that might have been 14. It was, yeah, because I think he went in the 15 draft. He went in the second round to the Bucks, but I didn't think his, 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 his 2014 season, that was James's first year. I just didn't, I thought it was just okay, but you look at him, you look at the athleticism, um, and you see he did some good things earlier, I think, in his Penn State career. And it could just be that there just aren't that many slam dunk left tackle prospects. And at some point you got to decide when do you want to, when do you want to pull the trigger? But he's definitely a guy that I could see playing better at the next level, but he's also a guy that it's very concerning kind of how he looked for the majority of 2021. And maybe there is a backstory that we don't know about, and maybe that'll come out. But, uh, and one more thing, I'm still banging the table for Brandon Smith to go in the top two rounds. I don't care what anyone else says. I think, I don't think he will last into round three. And if somebody gets him in round three, look out, that's going to be a nice little game changer. Penn state fans are still mad at him for some missed tackles. I just think, I just think you forget about the other, the other 98.5% of his snaps. Uh, I think I'm right on this one, but we'll see if he can kind of sneak himself into the second round. Yeah, I definitely agree with that Brandon Smith point. I think after pro day, after the combine, when Dane Brugler does, test does, yeah, when he does another two round mock draft, it it would not be a surprise to see Brandon Smith in the in the fifties, in the forties, yeah. maybe even in the thirties. I think that that's you know it's one of those things where NFL evaluators are looking at things differently than than you or I or or Penn State fans. So it's always a it's always a right. fun kind of exercise to to try to figure out what people are actually seeing. Daniel, before I let you go, it's it's the round of there's only eight teams left, the Elite Eight. Do I can I put you on the spot? Who wins the Super Bowl? Or are you not prepared to make your pick? <laughs> uh I think that the most likely outcome is going to be the Packers losing in the NFC championship game uh in Ooh. some sort of heartbreaking fashion. Okay, so that's not necessarily a Super Bowl pick, but <laughs> I'll take it. I, I think the Bills are gonna go. I, I think I I'm going out on a limb. I think the Bills. The Bills could. I, the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl. That's my pick. I want. I want a Bengals Bills AFC Championship game, and then I also want a. I'd like to see Packers Packers Bucks again. I think that that's my. That's what I want to see in the final four, and then I think that we know where my allegiance. I'm going to have to wait to the Super Bowl to get your Super Bowl pick, aren't I? I'm yeah. going to have to wait. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, you better get it right because I'm picking out of eight teams. You're going to be picking out of two, so you cannot afford to get it wrong. Nope. <laughs> All right, Daniel will be back with uh, Dustin Hockett-Smith later this week on the Blue White Breakdown Podcast. Thanks for listening. Daniel and I will be back around the middle of next week, and who knows what we're going to talk about. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Live.